Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Podside Picnic. Uh, as usual, this is Pete, and I am joined by the dipper to my Mabel. But uh, probably more accurately, I should say that he is a, a podcaster, runs an online magazine called Blood Knife. I should mention the podcast, which his parents just don't understand. Uh, he's a father. He's a brewer. He's, uh, I don't know, do you deer hunt? What, what else you got, man? Um, I, I have been deer hunting. Uh, and um, I, if I may take 10 seconds to tell a 10-second story, sure. um, I went deer hunting um, with my wife's uh, stepdad. We went deer hunting for about four hours. I saw nothing the entire time, and I was just like sitting in like, like a little blind with him. And I, at one point, I did see what I thought was a deer, and I thought about it, and I kept looking at it and being like, is that a deer? It's like moving around. It looks like one. Um, so long story short, eventually the sun came up, and I saw that it was a cow. And and I was I was glad that the the thing I had spent like an hour and a half deliberating shooting and had not shot was was not a deer. So I I, I felt I felt justified. It was like it was like a little uh, you know one person short story. So I actually have a related story I'd like to share, uh, which was my my roommate in college. Uh, he would uh, go out with his extended family and they'd go out deer hunting. But the, the real tradition was the night before the deer hunting where they would do, you know, whiskey shots and play cards on the porch all night, you know. And so he's wandering through the woods, very hungover, very waiting for things to die. And he sees this <laughs> beautiful six-point buck in the clearing and he shoots it and it explodes like into pieces and he's like what the fuck is going on so he runs out and he takes a look and he had shot a plaster paris deer on somebody's front lawn (laughs) (laughs) well i mean the of the various ways that that story could have ended i guess that's that's the the most harmless one Yes, yeah, I mean, that definitely could have broken bad, but I mean, instead it was just sort of like, I, I don't even know whether he knocked on the door and, and wrote a check or he ran like hell, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with either at that point, so. Um, anyway, uh, we should talk about the topic, which is, um, I approached Kurt because, uh, well, let me take a step back. Um, I have been approached by multiple people who want to talk about Infinity Train. And um, I started watching it and was enthused. And Kurt's expertise really felt like a good match for this discussion. But I also felt like we talk about this sort of thing so rarely that I wanted to fold some other shows into the discussion. And those shows are specifically Gravity Falls and Adventure Time. Yeah, and I'm I was super psyched when you reached out because I think all the time about this this broad genre of of shows and like i have some thoughts about about kind of what characteristics that that genre has and like where it comes from and i i know that you do as well but it's it's suffice to say it's something that didn't really exist 
much more than 20 years ago, like maybe the late 90s, you first started seeing things kind of in this vein. Um, but it, I, I think it's a very important development in kind of like children's slash early teens slash late teen media that is very different from a lot of stuff that has come before as as American cartoons anyway. So I was I was super excited and um and I I I had only watched Adventure Time. I hadn't really watched Gravity Falls. I was aware of it. Sure. Um uh but I was excited to check out Infinity Train and man that show got its hooks into me immediately. Like Oh, I was I, I am so glad people asked me to watch it. I just I think it's it's really rich. It's a good anthology thing. I know you've gone through at least one season, but are you are you aware of sort of the rough differences between seasons, what they do? No, I'm not. Not at all. No. Oh, completely different heroes. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's a good that I think is is a is a good um decision. Uh, because, you know, if, if I can like poke a little bit into what I think works and doesn't work in this, you know, yes. of these three adventure time goes on by far the longest. And, and I only watched the first, maybe four or five seasons of it. Um, and at a certain point it, it kind of, it, it feels like it, the, it starts kind of crumbling under the weight of its own mythos and, and like it, it loses some of that like weird transgressive puckishness that that defines this this genre to me is like that 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 shift between like oh it's like lightweight and funny and 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 also like it's deep and there's like a real mythology that real thought went into and and you know like i said adventure time is like 10 times longer than either of these other shows and and at a certain point i think it does lose some of the charm so i think that's i think that that's a smart decision and I think I, the, there's something true and something interesting about, well, there's a lot of things true, but it, it is absolutely true that Adventure Time is is like a, a grandfather in this space. It's an old show that's gone on for a long time. But what's really interesting about this is, do you, do you realize when it aired? Um, 2005, probably, 2006? It was like 2010. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it is a grandfather in this field, and we all think of it that way. And it just, like, that, it just hasn't been very long. So, so I, I'm not sure how aware you are of, like, the the people behind Adventure Time. Um, but, but like, j just, you know, so the, the main guy is this gentleman, Pendleton Ward. But then he surrounded himself with a variety of other um animators including probably and 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 voice actors including probably most notably justin roiland who went on to do rick and morty um and uh rebecca sugar who went on to do uh steven universe um so adventure time was very much like foundational on a personnel level for like like it it didn't spin off other shows it did have one spin off but but there's a lot of like spiritual successors from people um, who worked on it with 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 Pendleton Ward, and and he's also helped. Um, you know, I, I believe he also helped with some shows like uh, Over the Garden Wall, and that, that, that again kind of fit into this this same mold. But this was not his first show um, either. They also worked together. Some of the the, the crew for Adventure Time on a, on a show called. Uh, I think it's called like the Marvelous Adventures of Flapjack. That was it is at Cartoon so Network. good. It's yeah. such a good show, dude. So, so like, like there, there is a bit of like prehistory before Adventure Time too. But, but that was definitely.
definitely like I think like the cultural breakthrough moment where people are like, oh, like this is a thing. This is like a discrete niche that we can make shows in. And now you see a lot of different networks, Disney and Netflix all kind of have similar shows broadly in this vein. Yeah, and let's let's sort of talk about that taxonomy. It's like I want to go into show details too, but it seems to me that we're agreeing on a lot of things. And I think if we go down to the details, that may become interesting because like that's probably where we won't agree. But there is one, there is definitely something here. Like all of these shows are pursuing the same headspace, mm-hmm. the same audience. There's a there's a, a general idea of what they're doing. And I don't think I don't think there's a name for this type of cartoon yet. Like if somebody has coined the phrase for what the hell they're doing, I haven't heard it. There's probably a marketing like media acquisitions term. Like I'm I'm confident there's some kind of an awful TV programming executive term for this. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I I sure. guarantee I guarantee that that it exists. But as to the headspace, um ha- have you ever seen a show called Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yes. So yes. so for anyone I, who has oh, oh sorry, go 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 on. I was I was just going to say, you know that hole in his teeth for some reason it gives me nightmares. <laughs> Well, well, that's the point, though. Okay, so so for everyone who hasn't seen Courage the Cowardly Dog, um, it is it is like uh, it is like a combination of like a late '90s just like cartoon that you would see on Nickelodeon, like Two Angry Beavers or something along along those lines, plus like a a very strange. I don't even know what you would what you would refer like compare it to like like some kind of like European um, impressionist like modernist horror painter like Zadislaw Beksinski or someone like very weird it goes on these weird very dark flights of fancy but it was still designed for for kids explicitly but if you were a kid watching it you would get some spooks and you would go you would come away from it with like a weird uh, emotional sensations that you would probably rarely get from from other American cartoons, which are kind of like, for the most part, like relentlessly positive and not that ominous. And there was also kind of some stuff around the same time, like Erie, Indiana, um, which again is kind of like like a preteen Twilight Zone sort of. But I, I I think that where all these shows fall into is they are either trying to play upon or recapture or explicitly create the sensation of being a child and encountering a a greater emotional palette, usually somewhat dark or threatening or ominous, and being like, oh, wow, there's more in the world than just G.I. Joe. There is also, like horror and you know foreboding and these are things that you feel in your real life but if you only watch gi joe you're not going to get that experience so i i think that these like transcendent emotional childhood experiences and i think that all of these shows in some way are 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 playing with that and that's like that to me is is the headspace yeah no i i think that's right i also i feel like um, at some point, there's something I'm always going to remember about Adventure Time, for example, and that was uh, my niece, who is is wondrous. Uh, have I ever told? I, I haven't. Uh, there's a, there's a Spider-Man story. Uh, my nieces were hanging out, and at some time they pieced together that my wife's name is Apple Jane and my name is Peter, and so they decided I was Spider-Man. Hmm. And like those little connections that that kids do because they don't have the same sorts of maps as we do fascinate me endlessly 
And that was, I just went off to the side there. I'm back. No, no, no. But you're, 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 you're onto something, which, which is kids, kids do not reject ideas for not fitting, right? Like, yeah. like if they were watching a Spider-Man cartoon and all of a sudden Spider-Man turned to the TV and started addressing the audience and was like, we need to talk about war and what that means. They would like, like an adult would be like, what's going on here? They're breaking the fourth <laughs> wall. This is bizarre. Who does, who made this decision? Kids are, are, are in no way passive consumers of media, but, but they, they don't have like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, like knee jerk rejection of media. They're like, okay, I'll see where this is going. Well, they're, they're, they're always consumers instead of critics. I mean, they may not like what they eat, but that lo- the type of analysis that, that I think we think is so important isn't to them. Like if you've only watched eight shows in your life, you don't need a taxonomy of shows. Right. Yes. Right. Well, at any rate, like I, I was, I was interested in like how children approached criticism because I don't know why, why I would, but I was, and she really liked Adventure Time, and so I, I went off to the side with her at one point, and I'm like, well, why do you like Adventure Time so much? And she gave me two responses. The first response, like right out of the gate, she goes, because my dad likes it. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap! I think that is significant. And then, I, and I could tell there was something else. And and I was like, well, what, what's the other thing? And she's like, well, it's blue. And I'm like, what? And she she liked Finn's outfit. That was her mm-hmm. favorite color. And so she latched on to things like that. And I think in some ways that's sort of the secret of these shows. Not the colors palette necessarily, but the idea that it, you can give the things that a kid cares about and the things an adult cares about in the same vehicle without detracting from either one. Yeah, I I, I agree completely, and um, I do have some thoughts on like so so I I think that two of these shows are made much more for kids than than the third one is, and I I I will I will conceal which ones I think those are. Um, okay. But but I think that there are um, I do think that there are subtleties to like children's media where some things are it's not that they're good or bad for for kids like like I think that all of these shows are are relatively fine for a very broad age of kids. I've watched Adventure Time with um, with uh, our four and a half year old and um, she liked it. She wasn't super into it but there, there 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 wasn't anything in it that I was like oh no um right you but, could walk away like if if yeah. the worry was the TV there there's a certain amount of safety that that show wouldn't betray you yeah ex- exactly and and i i do think that there there is like some I, I do think that there are some there is some media now that is quote unquote for kids that that really really kind of like isn't and is really more for like adults putting themselves in the headspace of kids I don't think that any of these shows r- r- really are that, but but I, I do think that that there are still kind of some 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 hazards of mixing those two worlds. But but this genre is definitely about finding what that balance is and the ways to integrate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with that absolutely, and I'm actually really interested to see which one you think is the most like deliberately targeted at adults. Mm-hmm. Like 
one of the things like gravity falls one of the things i'm really fascinated by is there's always uh an image at the i I believe it's it's towards the beginning of each episode and it's a hieroglyph of some type Mm -hmm. and it's a code and so over time, you can assemble that glyph from each one of the episodes, put them together, and spell a message. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, and it's definitely targeting adults because, like, I'm sorry, I'm – well, I don't know. I guess a 10-year-old could do that, but I certainly didn't have the focus. It's hard for me to imagine having the focus even now. I mean, I mean, Ralphie did get the message about drinking more Ovaltine <laughs> in the Christmas story, so. I did think about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would have been a perfect time to drop a commercial. Like, I wouldn't even be mad. <laughs> <laughs> so should, I, I mean, should should we talk about kind of what each of these shows is? I, I think I, I think Adventure Time is probably pretty f- familiar to um, most of the people listening to this, but I certainly was, was a lot less familiar with the other two. So. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll give Adventure Time the 30 seconds. And that is um, uh, Jake the dog and Finn the human live in a surrealistic post-apocalyptic world having adventures. And uh, it, it's it's uh, like uh, Finn's always looking for a girlfriend. They're sort of growing up and sort of not. And it's it's uh, like 10 seasons of, of uh, good-natured, sweethearted adventure. Yeah, interspersed with some some occasionally very dark, very like existential, like like quite explicitly cosmic horror, like literally cosmic horror elements. Um, the way yes. that I would describe Adventure Time is as a combination of a is like a combination of like Madeline Le Engel books, cartoons for very young kids, and then a little bit of like i don't know like michael moorcock almost like oh i could see that there's some weird it's it's a very cross genre show where like the it a lot of the action takes place in like the candy kingdom and everyone is like is like a talking donut or a talking lollipop (laughs) and then there'll be like a lich from outside of time who is trying to eat the universe and and like that will but that will only crop up in like for like one episode and then the next couple episodes are back to being about like like you said f- you know Finn trying to find a girlfriend or yeah or or trying who to stole get the to- apple pies exactly yes um and uh I do think that there's a little bit of a weakness in in adventure time where I think that they stumbled upon the extent to which they could do a larger mythology like part way into it um, because like the other two shows definitely go into it, like G- Gravity Falls and Infinity Train start setting up the mythology right from the start. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's a sense of Adventure Time that like they have like a mythology episode and they have to kind of go back and be like, oh, okay, like th- this could mean this and this could mean this. It doesn't feel as integrated into the show. Um, it's almost like an X-Files setup, right? Where like most of them are like Monster of the Week episodes. And then it's like, well, here's the cigarette smoking man. Here's the ancient lich from, from outside of time. I, I think that's exactly what happened. And I also, uh, I mean, I've, I've never talked to Pendleton Ward and crew, but I, not, intentionally anyway, but I don't think that they knew this thing was going to go for 10 seasons. I don't think that the, the story arc was there at the beginning of the first season. I mean, maybe by three or four, they pieced it together. Yeah, for sure. And and interestingly, I, I mean, I don't want to like like try to assign credit, but I, I will say 
Um, there are certain parts of the show that, uh, for anyone who has watched uh, Steven Universe, feel very Rebecca Sugar, who is the 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 like creative lead of of that show. Um, and uh, they have a very particular style. And after you've seen like their solo creations, I feel like you can go back to Adventure Time and be like, oh, this is where they started playing around with those ideas. So like Rebecca Sugar wrote most of the music. Or at least like most of like like the one-off songs, mm-hmm. um, and and like I think that a lot of those big like cosmic plot lines kind of came from their brain, um, and so I do get a sense that like some of the staff was like, oh, we can do this, and like really was driving those elements, um, like like as you say, like like opportunistically, basically, like oh yeah. yeah yeah we can do this. Wow, this is like this is really cool, and people seem to like it. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost like they were focus group as they go. Because, well, I mean, like the Fantastic Adventures of Flapjack, uh, which isn't quite the name, but close enough. I mean, it didn't last more than a couple of seasons. Like, from the in terms of a moneymaker, it was not a success. I don't think they were expecting it to blow up. And I, I mean, they'd be idiots to expect it to blow up as much as it did. Yeah, no. And, and it's interesting... I think to to look at so like I have a real question. I, I would love to know who they were, who if anyone they were trying to make this show for. Um, because I I think that that of the three, this probably has the youngest age range. Um, mm-hmm. Like for most of the content is very uh, like in the mode of children's television. And I remember when I was like a late teen, I had friends who were very into SpongeBob SquarePants, and they were enjoying it in the sense of like. I know that I'm older than this show is intended for, um, but I really love it. And and it's funny to say that now because SpongeBob is has been so popular for so long that like you know there are thirty year olds who grew up with SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, but but you know in like the late nineties you could be or like the very early two thousands like like you could be, you know too old for the show where you wouldn't know it, it existed. And so I do think that. Um, like, I don't know if they tried to make a children's program and then were like, oh, adults like this too. I have a hunch that they weren't thinking about it that, that closely, but, but it is definitely closer to that, like closer to a children's show with adult elements than either of the other two are, I I think. Well, there's a, um, uh. There's a there's sort of a technological change thing that happened over the past hundred years that I think makes a cartoon like this sort of special and even possible. It's like uh, like when I w- was growing up, a lot of the music videos and the things centered around rock and roll was the idea that as ad- adults couldn't stand the noise. Mm-hmm. It's like they were old. This was a new thing. Well, the thing is, none of that shit makes any sense anymore. If you think about it, because like just about everyone alive has lived through rock and roll and has right. lived through the horror movement and all of this. So like it's being being old versus being young is no longer a gateway into this type of show. Like you could not get my father to watch Adventure Time if you put a knife to his throat <laughs> because, you know, that's a cartoon. He's not going to watch a cartoon. But, I mean, for my generation, we never stopped. And I think Adventure Time is one of the first vehicles that really internalized that and said, well, let's, let's, you know, let, let's hit as many, as many people as we can with this. Yeah, and, and the creators are very smart in how they navigate it, too, because 
it is very like if you're a kid watching it you're going to be like oh the adventures of finn cool and then there's going to be like the grown-up element that's that's going to hit your brain in a slightly different way and be like oh wow like this is this is weird what's what's going on here like like there there were past experiences that would happen like this like here, here here's a great example optimus prime dying right oh in transformers yeah. the movie but that was like transgressive and kids talked about being traumatized by that whereas now that you can tell that they're making an intentional decision to like go dark and be like kids can kids can handle this on the flip side you you can watch it as an adult and it it doesn't re- it doesn't feel like you're watching a children's cartoon it feels like you're just watching a cartoon um yeah. and and there are elements that are more complex that that maybe like a kid would like more or less, but there's nothing in it where you're like, this is the kid part. I'm going to tune my brain out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a really interesting blend. And I think, I mean, I don't know uh, you, well, you, we've, we've mentioned other shows, but I think adventure time is as good a place as any to say, well, this is the launching point for a lot of things. And let's go to a couple of those things. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, Gravity Falls, it's my, from what you said, this was sort of your, your first experience with it, though you'd heard about it? I had watched like one episode of it at some point. So it's, it, it had been re- recommended to me a bunch of times. Um, I, you know, I've, I'm almost five years into being a parent, so I have spent a lot of time scouring for new stuff to watch with sure. our kids. Because like I can, I can tolerate anything once. It's the 40th time. Uh, that some things get a little bit um, troublesome, and this was this was one that I I investigated and was like I don't really want to deal with watching this a hundred times over because it is a little bit frantic compared to the other two. Um, it I I would say it most I would say in a weird way um, this one feels the most like a children's cartoon, but but is the one that I want my kid to watch the least. <laughs> you know I I think that makes sense. I think. Um, Unlike the others, uh, like they all have stakes, but the Gravity Falls stakes are time sensitive. It's like if things don't happen in time, everybody's going to die. Yeah. You won't get the girl. And like that is that is a type of stress I would like to, to spare my kid for as long as possible. It's like we can have the cosmic horror thing, but I don't want him always feeling like he's going to be late. Oh, I'm actually okay with that. I just don't like the parts that are kind of annoying. <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally what it is. I just don't want to listen to it. No, like, like um, I, uh, the, the show veers away from this as it goes on. So, so we all... I'll I'll do you did the last uh kind of 30 seconds. I'll 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 do this one. Um Yeah. Uh so Gravity Falls is a follows kind of the adventures of two twins who I don't know how old they are. I want to say like like 14. They are maybe? 12. Oh, they're 12. Okay, yeah. Um they're, they're, they're is it just because like they're kind of drawn ambiguously. Um one of whom is voiced by uh Kristen Schaal, who who is an is an awesome um voice actress slash writer and she's in everything yeah she she is now in in everything um and uh they get sent for the summer to live with uh their great is he their 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 great uncle is that why he's grunkle okay um grunkle stan who lives in like the pacific northwest 
um, and kind of runs like like a mystery spot, like tourist trap, like local lore. Go see the jackalope, see the world's largest ball of twine <laughs> type place. And they discover that like the the town that it's in, the titular Gravity Falls, is is uh, harassed and populated by kind of weird fiction and cosmic horror elements and some of them are very silly like like gnomes who live in the woods and are searching for a queen or just kind of like comic relief on through people like bill cipher who is kind of like a weird uh, extra dimensional dream demon of, of incredible power um and and so like you know the the tone of the episodes can shift uh dramatically but it it feels very much in the lineage of something like like eerie indiana where it's like kids having weird fiction adventures with some adults around basically yeah no i th- i think that's a that's a good way to look at it it's also of the 3 this one is the most fixated on uh that transitional period between childhood and adulthood like these kids are deep puberty their their insecurities are bubbling and boiling over mm-hmm. And they're they're coming to terms with that as they're coming to terms with the apocalypse. So if if I can be really honest, I actually like Gravity Falls the least of of the three. Sure. Um, and part of that I think it's just personal taste. Like I mentioned, it's a little bit more frenetic than than the other two. Like there there is a lot of kind of like SpongeBob energy in some of the early episodes, especially where there's just like stuff happening and happening and happening, and everything is all over the screen all the time. The other thing though is it feels to me the most self consciously trying to be like a kid's cartoon like like i actually feel like this is the one that's in that's the most in the adult headspace because it feels a little bit self-conscious about like who it's for and and again i don't want to assume like who they were writing it for but it definitely there definitely feels like oh there are elements for adults and and but also like we do want it to be like a funny kids cartoon and it does feel very much kind of like an early 2000 kids cartoon but i kind of i don't want to be like like judgmental but this one feels the most like like a cartoon that is a children's cartoon made for adults to to, to me it's a disney vehicle yeah i mean i without without any evidence whatsoever this one feels very focused grouped and polished and planned in a way that the others do not like one of the things i'll always remember is like in the final season of gravity falls there's a there's a cameo of lewis ck as a monster and as soon as everything happened around lewis ck like they they didn't take 30 seconds to pull that And I mean, hell, I would have pulled it too at that point. But the, but the fact is, like, it's a very it, it does feel very calculated. I I enjoy it more than you, but like, I'm not blind to what you're talking about I, here. I, I mean, like, like I didn't not enjoy it. Like, like especially when it does get into the broader mythology of the show, there, there there's a lot to like about it. It has a lot of elements of something like uh like the video game Night in the Woods. Yeah. Or like Firewatch. Oh, 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 there, there, there's some weird overlap with these shows and indie video games. And I don't know exactly what it is. A lot of them use kind of like chip toony music. Um, there, there, there's a lot of like stylistic similarities. But, but, um, what, what I don't like as much about it is that there are references. There are a lot of references that feel they're, that are like, oh, only an adult will will get this reference and it feels like there's more of that than in something 
like the other two. Like like Adventure Time and Infinity Train don't feel the need to do an aside for the adults, right? Right. Like, like there's nothing in uh, Adventure Time where they're like, we're going to make a Red Skelton joke that, that that only your grandpa is going to get. Yeah. Um, and there are some references. I'm 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 totally blanking on what they are now. But oh, I can give you an example. At one point, they break into that haunted convenience store. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a candy that's taken off the market, and what it is, it's it's the dipping sticks. Oh, where there you, you get go. The, yeah, and I mean, like, there's no reason people would necessarily know a dipping stick unless they were shoving them in their faces in the '70s and '80s. Right, or or like, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, the the child psychic who's kind of like the season oh, one Gideon. Gideon, yeah, little Gideon, um, has kind of like a very like Kreskin televangelist vibe. Like, like there's elements of there's elements of his character that kind of feel like like a side joke for adults. And I, I think the other shows don't really feel the need to differentiate between content for for kids and content for adults. They're just kind of like this is content, and uh, like a kid might see it differently as an adult. But there's not something in there that is a coded message to the adults in the room. And again, that's a very Disney thing. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a really good observation. I didn't think about that at all, but that is a very Disney, like Pixar thing where they're gonna have like, here's a joke for the grown up in the room, have fun, yeah. this will keep you going for another 10 minutes. Um, that said, <laughs> I do like the show, like, like you know, the, this is a science fiction and fantasy podcast, and there's a lot of this that reminds me of, I, so I've been reading, um, uh, uh, Laird Barron's short stories, and there's a lot of this that kind of is operating in that same like cosmic folk horror like yeah. landscape, where it's kind of like you know Pacific Northwest cosmic horror, vague machinations happening off screen, and there's some kind of a space monster that may or may not be involved. Like it's 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 cool to see children's programming, um, you know, treading these paths that. That have been, you know, like if there were kids cartoons that touched on this stuff, it was smuggled in in the past. It was not part of the concept. Right, right. We're, we're now it's actively desirable and, and sought, sought, I assume. Like all of these shows, what they have in common is uh, that they, they got tremendous play. People really enjoyed them and they succeeded on that level at least. Um, and, yeah. yeah, and and so I, the, the, the thing that I was most impressed with with about this show is its willingness to turn the tone on like like on a dime like mid Mm -hmm. episode like like adventure time definitely has silly episodes and then it will have you know like like a mythos plot episode and i feel like for the most part you can tell what the tone of the episode is going to be like like i remember like watching this with my daughter and there were ones where i was like oh this is going to be a serious episode um, I didn't skip it, but I was like, okay, I'll I'll be a little bit mindful of like how she's reacting to this. Um, and Gravity Falls is very much like it'll be like the first episode where you meet, you know, cosmic terror Bill Cipher. He shows up and he's like a yellow triangle wearing a bow tie. It is like whoopity dee, and then he pulls all of the teeth out of a deer's mouth. And if if I may curse for a moment, if my four year old saw that, that would fuck her up. Like, oh yeah, yeah. She would be like, "What hat? Like, what is that?" In a way that neither of the other shows, despite the childhood trappings of this show, neither of the other shows really feel like they go to that like body horror. Element. Right. 
Well, and honestly, I think I think Disney is in a in a position where they can do things like that with minimal risk because they can just raise their shield and say, "Yeah, I mean that may feel dramatic to you, but we're Disney." Yeah, and it's you know it's it's funny. D- Disney makes a lot of TV that that they don't promote especially well. Um, like you know, as we're recording this. Uh, in the last couple of days, they announced um, that uh, Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is 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 coming to the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, and she's she's a um, you know teenaged. Uh, I believe she's uh, Pakistani. I, I I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, superhero superheroine. Um, and she's she has had uh, a, a lot of people don't realize that they've they've had like a Miss Marvel cartoon. Or at least a cartoon where she's like, like basically the point of view character, or, or one of one or two of them, uh, called Marvel Rising. That's been on for like a couple years, and they actually did like like a feature length cartoon. So there are there are weird like the the Disney IP farm is so big at this point. There are like weird backwaters that people aren't aren't aware of, and I I do kind of think that like like you know. I didn't realize that Gravity Falls was a Disney cartoon until I went to search for it and was like, oh, it's on Disney Plus. That's weird. Um, so, so I, I like I don't even know how tightly connected it is to the, to the Disney brand. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I do know that uh, they're probably hyper aware of it because it it really like from 2016 to 2018 it did some real numbers. Like really it was getting yeah, it was like three million watches per episode, something like that. Like like so. I mean, it's it's good. Like like it, it is funny. It's well written. The characterization is really good. Um, it's it's like. The the music is also very good. I, I was very impressed with the, the the music. It's it's it is a good show. Like like don't don't get the impression that I'm down on it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, but I think like you're sensing something else there, and why I wasn't while well, it wasn't really thinking about it as I moved into this. There is something about that one that is a little darker and a little more calculated than the others like it, i do i do feel like somebody is is trying to sell me shampoo here yeah um yeah i, I again I, I i think it's the fact that there are elements that are more explicitly like that somebody would probably not necessarily want to show kids uh, of a certain age even like pretty you know progressive media liberal parents which which denise and i are um, you know, I, I like like we've been watching Samurai Jack with our four year old, and that's like a that, that that's like a very uh you know f- formalistically challenging show. By the way, that's another interesting precursor to to touch on. Um, is is a uh, Samurai Jack because that that is that was also pushing the boundaries of like what what you know, children's programming could be. Um, sure, but there there are elements of this where it's like okay, that's again all the teeth being pulled out of a deer's mouth is like this is a little bit more. adult in a way that's like this is meant to be scary this is meant to like like mess you up a little bit and it doesn't feel like they're calibrating it towards towards kids um the other thing is um i mentioned my 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 theory of like stillness to you before the show um which is one of the things i like the most about these cartoons and i think is one of the most essential things is that in a lot of children's cartoons the action never quite stops um, like it's always on to the next thing. And, um, I always view the action as, uh, in art as kind of being less important than the aesthetic and the tone. And a lot of times the aesthetic and tone in art is set by the stillness where it's like, stop, take in the setting, take in the music. What is this character thinking about? And Gravity Falls has the least of that 
element. Like it, it is the most like a children's cartoon all the time where there is a lot of action happening very quickly. Whereas I, I yeah. think if you look at Adventure Time and you look at Gravity Falls, there are moments, sorry, and you look at uh, Infinity Train, there are moments where it'll just be a character just kind of like walking or looking at a landscape and thinking. And uh, there's there's less of that in this show a, as well. So this this episode is rapidly getting a dear theme because I just had a, <laughs> a, a moment here. So uh, you, you've mentioned the creepy deer event in Gravity Falls, but there's a very creepy deer event in Adventure Time. Do you remember the deer that kidnaps all of the candy people and hides them in the sewers and licks them for sustenance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and then <laughs> one, of the, one, of, one of the main characters in Season 2 of Infinity Train is a, a deer with godlike powers that doesn't talk named Alan Dracula that follows people around. <laughs> And he could like change his size as will or set fire to people or whatever he wants, but he just doesn't have any desires. He wants to eat grass, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that it's you know it's 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 funny. Um, I, when you pitched these shows to me, there were like four other shows that that came to mind immediately. Um, and one of them is called uh, what's it called? It's not called Famous Warriors. It's called not and not it's not Ultimate Warriors. Um, what the ha, do do you know the show that I'm talking about? Not yet. Um, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. I, I, I'm gonna break break one of the rules of uh, uh, podcasting and uh, and uh, Google uh, heroes. Bravest Warriors is the name of it, and Bravest Warriors is is operating in a very Adventure Time uh, mode, and and it's about um, like a group of the the children of kind of like Adventure Time style like cosmic heroes. Um, and, and they're kind of, I believe that like all their parents like disappeared. And so now they are the bravest warriors. And there is a character in that show that is a comatose horse. Um, and, uh, it, the, the, the horse meditated too hard on the universe. Um, and like, and is just kind of like astral projecting. And at some point in the show, it returns from astral projection with like cosmic powers and fights a god <laughs> and and it feels like a very similar joke and there is something about and like a seemingly innocent child-friendly animal with vast cosmic powers that is slightly funny and very apropos to this type of, of show oh yeah it really fits uh i think we should probably go to infinity train now because otherwise i've got to keep you here for for days <laughs> yeah and and i i loved this show this this was this this is like one of my new favorite shows it's so good yeah, um, I. Um, it sounds like you saw season one. I've only seen season one and two, but uh, the the basic idea behind it for for the listeners at home is that there is this train, and if you get on it, uh, there's there's a potentially infinite series of cars that you go through, and the cars are themed, and. Um, you got to try and figure out how to get off, and that's pretty much all the information you have when you show up. Yeah, and and, and I mean, it's it starts with like a preteen or like early teen girl finding out that she's not going to get to do the big thing that she's been looking forward to because her her parents who are divorced are like have failed to coordinate and get her transportation to like you know video game development camp. Um, and so she kind of like runs away and and finds herself on this train 
Um, and it is, it is really good. Like from, from like the very beginning of the show, I was like, oh, I'm going to like, like, this is extremely my shit. Um, it's really good. It's, it, and it actually does, um, in a way, like my daughter, older daughter, certainly my younger daughter could watch this cause she's only one and a half. And so she wouldn't really know what was going on, but, sure. but, um, this, this definitely is a little bit older, like minimum age probably than adventure time in terms of like the 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 seriousness of some of the content but like the way that it handles something like like divorce or friendship does actually feel to be very um good and uh beneficial for kids to take in like media like this and it reminded me a lot of like like some of the more challenging children's anime um like some of, you know, Hayao Miyazaki's stuff where it's like dealing with grown-up themes in a very tactical kid-friendly way. Yeah, it's constructive. Like it it's there's a lot of topics here where if you showed them to me on a list I'd be like, "Well, maybe maybe you should leave your 10-year-old at home on this one." But I can't think of an example where where I watched an episode and I'm like, Whoa, why did you put that in front of a child? Like every every time there is a moment like that, they, they it's a very rational and constructive follow through. And I've been I I love it. Um, you know, this show is in danger of being canceled. Really? How is that? Like, yes. how is that possible? It's so good. Also, shout outs um, to uh, Chrome Canyons, the uh, synthwave um, artist that uh, did the the opening and closing uh, music, and is just just a a good musician in general because because the, the music in this show is killer. Yeah. So we're at three seasons. The first seasons, two first two seasons were Cartoon Network, and it was always a little bit weird over there because. The, the themes were considered to be too adult. Hmm. And then it went to HBO, and um, I don't think HBO really has the platform for kids that, that is, you know, yeah. great for something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that we haven't talked about, um, but that kind of looms very large over this whole genre of getting back to what makes it a genre, is Cartoon Network, and in particular, the Adult Swim Um, And Toonami blocks, like without those blocks, you would not have these shows, probably arguably any of them, either because they came directly out of it or because like that's that show that that programming block, you know, that then kind of became its own sub brand really pioneered the idea of like, okay, we're going to make stuff for kids that is a little bit older and a little bit weirder and a little bit darker. And they they did a very clever thing of like they would like as the as the evening progresses, the programming gets older and weirder. And yes. so like, you know, when I started watching like Adult Swim and, and Toonami, like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon were like the big flagship shows and and you know those are like you know 90s shows. So now the big flagship shows have become things like like Adventure Time or um, Rick, uh, Rick and Morty, um, but it's set up in a way that like young kids who stay up a little bit later, you know, if they're watching live TV, which I don't know if I, if if kids do anymore, um, will will then start seeing stuff that's progressively older, and they're they because they have that audience so locked down, they're able to just be like, oh, I want to make a weird show for precocious you know fourteen year olds and weird twenty six year olds. Uh, if you put it on uh, on Adult Swim or on Toonami, 
that's who's going to see it. And so they can launch and support these shows in a way that HBO probably can, excuse me, probably can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And maybe maybe what happened here is they started an Infinity Train at what might have been the wrong time frame. You know, I, I could see where that would run into an adult problem. I don't know. Sometimes a Cartoon Network is very erratic about when they program shows. Um, like, like they'll just move stuff around. Um, Steven Universe is famously like this, where they would have produced an entire season, I think in one case, two entire seasons of Steven Universe, and the fans were like, please show us new episodes. And Cartoon Network was just like, nah, we're not... We're not gonna. You have to wait, and then and then they they would release what like what fans started calling a bomb, where they would release like forty episodes all at once, like hours of content. But then it would be another like year and a half with with nothing. And <laughs> why it, would it was, you do that? I, I I don't know. I I I think there was some combination of like internal politics at Cartoon Network, and then also the fact that um, they got acquired by I think Time Warner. Um, and then, but then also, like Adult Swim kind of ran as its own company to an extent that had its own leadership. And I think that at times they were like at odds with the broader Cartoon Network brand, even though increasingly like that was Cartoon Network's brand. So I'm I'm not surprised, although I am dis- I am disappointed to hear that that this show was treated that way. I certainly didn't hear about it w- when it was on Cartoon Network, and it is yeah it is, like brilliant. I, it's it's the it has the pod side seal of approval. It sounds like it has the parents don't understand seal of approval. So if you're looking for a show to watch that is in this vein, check out Infinity Train. Guys. You know what it reminds me of a little bit is the movie Cube. Have you I seen, have not Cube? seen Cube? No, I haven't. So Cube is about um, a group of people who wake up in a cube shaped room and they discover that they are in some kind of complex consisting of differently colored cube-shaped rooms that are all exactly the same size and they all have deadly traps inside of them and all the people basically said i don't know how i got here i remember i was like i went to sleep and i woke up and now i'm here or like i was shopping and suddenly someone like put a bag over my head and now i'm here and they they gradually like reveal more uh, uh, about the backstory but structurally it is very similar of like you are in a series of repeating challenges you don't know the rules and that could get you killed um and i and love it it's it's almost like like a preteen uh version of that um it, it reminded me there's an adventure time episode called the infinite train where well that certainly seems relevant yeah <laughs> and basically they get on the train and it's like every car you go to is like another fight and and more magic items and stuff like that and one of them gives them a vision of the future of where they're they're doing this you know 100 years from now oh yeah yeah and it, so it's it's about it's about growing out of it you know if, if i may say though one of the things um Here's another weird touch point for for this show uh, that just occurred to me is um, the His Dark Materials uh, series, um, a- again, of kind of being like a kid's adventure on cosmic terms and also deals with like serious things of kind of like death and divorce and separation and loss and grief. And, and um, what I really like about Infinity Train, though, is um, it uh, it it feels constructed in a way that like a, a kid is going to be scared, but scared in like a safe way. 
Um, like, like there will be moments where she's like, I don't know if I will ever get back home and they build over time and they make the threat real. But at the same time, they're not, they're not trying to, to terrify. They're just kind of trying to flavor the experience. It, it, it feels like. I, I, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, I feel like I have gotten over 50 minutes of good content out of you (laughs) And I have not fulfilled the podcaster's bargain, which is you should be able to talk about what you're doing with your work right now. Would you would you be willing to share a little bit about Blood Knife and your podcast? Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I I I feel like you know I should just say thank you for you know inviting me to talk more about Blood Knife, considering you did a whole episode <laughs> about about the magazine. But but in case in case anyone skipped that episode, uh, I've I've. Uh, snuck back and and I'm I'm gonna hit you with it now. But yeah, yeah. So so Blood Knife is a digital magazine about sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and capitalism. Um, and we we publish original takes from interesting authors. Uh, and we pay fairly. Is is you know we 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 try to hold kind of to you know generally leftist, progressive, s- s- socialist ideals. Um, we've we just released our third issue and to your question of like what i've been up to uh, a lot of it has been that it's been really exciting and and cool kind of like finding an audience and i i, I do feel like we found you know a a small but like very you know well uh well met audience like like we've gotten some great feedback i feel like we've run some really cool pieces um and it's been a really cool experience um you know we're we're almost reaching the point where we can expand a little bit and start doing a bit more content so we're exploring like stuff to add to it um we're also exploring kind of bringing on a little bit more editorial help since right now it is it is basically just me doing all of the editing and all of the like the the web design um and and so we we might we might broaden that a little bit but yeah it's it's been a really cool um journey and and you know like again like i i really have to shout out like like I, I made a post the other day that podcasters are, are the nicest people on on the earth. Like without a group of podcasters, uh, like you know, Blood Knife would not exist and would not have an audience. Because like it really was, you know, you and Connor, uh, Leslie from Struggle Session, um, Jamie Peck from you know from the Majority Report was was kind enough to contribute a playlist to the most recent episode and and you know like shouted us out and there's there's been you know a few other podcasts that that really like have have helped get the word out and like that's that's what the audience has been is like people who listen to leftist podcasts um so it's been cool connecting with that with that audience and and hearing you know good feedback about it so it's 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 been exciting um have you read any of it I am in the no no and the, <laughs> that's okay. and the reason I'm in the middle of a move right now man and that's, that's really right. what's holding me off but when I when I get back which will be Monday uh that's that's what I want to do in fact I've given a lot of thought for doing an episode about the magazine without you doing oh, some yeah. <laughs> reading and critical analysis I thought it'd be cool I I you know I I I want to say um you know it's been really cool connecting with writers, some of whom have never really contributed like nonfiction pieces to places before. Um, a, a couple of the people from the Podside Discord have have contributed a, a, at this point. Um, there's there's one gentleman, um, Colin Broadmore, uh, who has contributed two two articles now. Um, just really far out there, interesting analysis pieces. And again, like it feels very validating to be like, oh, like these are people who weren't like 
interested in dealing with the hassle of getting published at, you know, a regular uh, outlet. And they knew that there was like a narrow niche. So like, you know, we just published a piece from him about the connections between psychopathic art appreciators like like Hannibal Lecter, for instance, or like Patrick Bateman and like the violence of the Third Reich and the Holocaust. And it goes super deep and is a really interesting piece. And it's been really it's, it feels very, very validating to get to put out awesome pieces uh, like that. So I, I would I would love to hear you know, your, your, your feedback on that as, as I'm sure would, you know, some of the writers, um, it's, it's, it's been cool. So, <laughs> well, we will, uh, when we, when we publish this episode, which I mean, I'm betting is Tuesday, we'll, we'll put a link out to your work in the hopes that, you know, we'll get some readers there. Um, I, I just think it's really cool that you were willing to, uh, take the extra time to do this because I know how busy you are, but I, like you're, you're my go-to for, we're dealing with something in this space, but there are, uh, uh, there are children involved, frankly. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. And, and if I can do like one quick, like, like, here's what I would say for any parents listening about, about each of these shows, Adventure Time, I think, I think you can show to almost, almost any kid who can handle like a little bit of darkness. Like it really never gets that terrifying. There are terrifying sequences for about like 25 seconds at a time. Um, you can kind of tell when they're going to happen and you can skip over them. Um, uh, Gr- Gravity Falls probably I I would say probably like seven or eight to and and up is probably where I would I I would consider starting that it is a bit high energy and a little bit shouty compared to the other shows so you know if you have kids who like to rewatch things a hundred times as as mine do you might want to be mindful and maybe maybe save this for when you let them uh, have their own phone and, and you can go into another room. <laughs> um, right. And and then Infinity Train, uh, you know, in terms of how it fits into children's programming, I actually think it's pro- probably the oldest of, of the shows because it like it starts off talking about about like divorce and loss and grief and never really quite stops. Um, so as always, you know, my, my advice is always like, you know, you know, your kid, uh, if your kid can handle like pretty serious, like bridge to Terabithia level you know, kids darkness, like stuff that is not just like, you know, a skeleton wizard is scary to a kid, but divorce is much scarier. Um, so if your kids can, can deal with that, then they're probably ready for this. And if you wouldn't talk to your kid about, uh, about, you know, divorce or like the death of a friend, maybe, maybe hold off on, on this one too. But I, I think they're all very good, you know, kids, kids programming, and I'm always excited to offer opinions on them. Well, I, there's no doubt in my mind I'll be dragging you back for something. <laughs> hopefully this show, ho- hopefully Infinity Train especially continues. Um, and uh, and and also, Pete, um, we need to get together at some point with, maybe with Carlo, actually, because I know that he's a fan too, and do an episode of my podcast, Parents Just Don't Understand, about Gargoyles, because I know yes. that we discussed that. Um, I've watched like the first season over again, and I, I freaking love that show. <laughs> I, what is going on with the voice acting, dude? Um, I think it was just uh, it, I, I, I think it was just like the that cadre of of people, you know, like there's kind of like loose uh, social networks of voice talent who are like, this is my go to person. Um, th- honestly, the same thing happened with Adventure Time, where like the shows that branched out of Adventure Time use a, a, a lot of the same voice actors as oh, yeah. a, as Adventure Time because that's who they knew, and they're like, I know that this person is going to turn in the performance that that I want, and I think that's cool. Well, 
I did that throughout these shows. Like, uh, in you know the the time traveling dude in in uh, Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. That that's Morty. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Justin Roiland, I, I um, who who kind of has like that weird voice. He's also <laughs> he's also uh, the Duke of Lemon Grab. Um, yes! in, in Adventure Time, he also I I caught him doing some of the commercial voices in Gravity Falls. Um, as as well. Um, is yeah, he has a very distinct voice. <laughs> to say the least. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I mean that. I think if our show were a little more focused on uh, on Rick and Morty, I would probably be exploring the relationship between Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls more because they both use portals, and there appear to be some links between the shows that they were doing as in jokes and stuff. But mm. I'm not even really sure if there's a payoff there. You That's know? why I didn't watch. Uh, infinity train initially was that somebody said oh it's it's like rick and morty and i was like i can barely deal with one rick and morty in my yes. life i don't want a second one and it's really not it's really not like it at all um in, in, in my opinion at all yeah i i don't i don't really see I, I i don't really see the line to be drawn there i and you know i uh, sometime I may have to do a Rick and Morty show, but like, God, it's like writing a show about the book of Exodus. Like it's like, it's been done to death. What is there for me to talk about that anybody could possibly give a damn about? You yeah. Know? And, and like from my domain of, you know, like family and children's media, it's, it's not, it's not children's media. It's no, it, it is not. It's an adult cartoon. So, right. so it's like, unless you think that, you know, kids can watch all cartoons, which which my parents certainly did. I think I saw Akira when I was like nine. Um, oh, sure. Uh, you know, pro- probably don't want to show R- R- Rick and Morty to your four year olds. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, I mean, and quite honestly, you don't want to show it to anybody because it's too smart for them. Yes, that's like right. It. That's right. In, in, in fairness, you do need a very high IQ. Um, although, then again, IQ is normalized to people in the same age range as you. So, so you have a you may have a one forty two IQ toddler um, because they can you know name three shapes and four colors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a good point. Um. Okay, Kurt, this is probably where where I need to call it, but this has been an absolute pleasure. And I think you're right. We do need to we do need to get the band back together to talk about gargoyles. And also cuckoo's eggs. Oh we- yes, yes. That that's an exciting one. I, I have read the first like two chapters ish uh of the other cuckoo's egg. Um yep. and uh I, I, I know that you have steadfastly finished uh finished my cuckoo's egg. Um, yeah, so, so uh, to to tell the audience what's going on, uh, Kurt was talking about a book he really liked called Cuckoo's Egg, and I was talking about Cuckoo's Egg, and we got about, I don't know, 10 minutes in before we realized that we were praising completely different books. So we did a book exchange. Yeah, we were having a nice back and forth, like like a surprisingly insightful back and forth of like disagreeing and be like, yeah, like I, I understand where you're coming from. And this is absurd when you have the context of one of these is is like a... I don't know what 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 would you describe it as like like a Bradbury esque um, uh, sci fi uh, fantasy novel is is kind of yours. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely sort of a of a, a brutal coming of age story, um, uh, and and it's 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 an alien conquest averted thing where where humanity is the threat. Yeah. Whereas mine is a nonfiction book about, about cybersecurity. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just incredible. Well, and you know what it is? It's like we both assumed the other person's good faith. So it's like, well, that sounds a little insane. But if I reach <laughs> this way, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to 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 get around to that conversation because then I can talk more about cyberpunk, which which I'm always excited to do. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, Kurt, thanks again for coming on. And uh, everybody, go read Blood Knife. And I, if you do it, I'll do it. All right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me back on. And, and you can find Blood Knife at bloodknife.com uh, or patreon.com slash bloodknife. And you can also hear me on my podcast. Parents Just Don't Understand, our our last episode uh, was with uh, the awesome Brett Payne of Street Fight. And, and he came on and, and talked about um, some, some 90s anti-drug uh, pro drug war propaganda that had Bugs Bunny meet Alf and and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and that was and that was a blast. <laughs> so thanks for having me on, Pete. It's always a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Thanks again, man. Cheers. <laughs>